With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Matthew Wolf, and you're listening to my podcast. This podcast is the best bit from my weekly radio show on Wizard Radio Station every Sunday from 3 till 4. What you're listening to is taken from live radio, but this is a podcast, which means it is obviously not live. So please do not try and get in contact with any of the live details you may hear me mention throughout the show, as your messages will not be received, but you may still be charged. All of our terms and conditions for getting involved can be found on our website, www.wizardradio.co.uk. Also, as this is a podcast, some of the information we give about news stories may have been updated or changed since our broadcast went live. The information in this podcast is accurate and correct as of the time the radio show was originally broadcast, but might not now be accurate. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss the live radio show every Sunday from three till four, where you can get in touch live. Hello and welcome to the podcast. As always, we've got two really interesting topics coming up in the next three quarters of an hour or so. On the first topic, we discussed what Meghan and Harry's interview with Oprah means for the royal family's future. We discussed whether the institution really has a place in 21st century Britain and what the interview showed about its uncomfortable truths. Later in the show, we spoke about our reflections from a year of lockdown, what we'll take from this year and what we hope to see in the coming year that we've learned from the year gone past. I hope you enjoy the podcast and as always, be sure to leave a review or subscribe. Welcome to Wizard Radio. I'm Matthew Wolf, and for the next hour, and at this time every single Sunday, I'll be discussing your opinions on some of the biggest current affairs and political stories of the week gone by. Today we'll begin by discussing the reaction to Meghan and Harry's interview with Oprah Winfrey, which aired last Sunday. I want to know what you feel the interview showed about the royal family as an institution, and if you think it remains fit for purpose. Were Meghan and Harry simply whining from positions of privilege, Or were they speaking out against the constant racism and oppression they've been facing since becoming a public couple? And later in the show, as the anniversary of a year in lockdown arrives, what are your reflections from this year, a year that will go down in history? What has the unprecedented period made you realise and how do you feel when hearing that a year has already gone by? As always, for this show to work, I want as many of you to get in touch as possible. You can, t- you can tweet us or DM us on Instagram and Twitter, we're at WizRadio. Text us at no extra cost, only standard network rate supply on 07807183538. Email us station at wizardradio.co.uk and all of our contact details www.wizardradio.co.uk. Good afternoon. A week removed 
from the former Duke and Duchess of Sussex's interview with Oprah Winfrey. Many are saying that this is the biggest crisis the royal family have faced in decades. Here are a few highlights from the interview, which aired on CBS. Did you leave the country because of racism? It was a large, it was a large part of it. One of the people at that, at that dinner said to me, please don't, please don't do this with, with the media. They will, they will destroy your life. But unfortunately, if the source of information is inherently corrupt or, or racist or biased, then that filters out to the rest of society. If they can compare what the experience that I went through was similar to what has been shared with us, Kate was called Weighty Katie, waiting to marry William. While I imagine that was really hard, and I do, I can't picture what that felt like, this is not the same. And if a member of his family will comfortably say, we've all had to deal with things that are rude, rude and racist are not the same. After my grandmother had said, the moment you land, come up to... We asked if we could go come, up to yeah, see come, come up to Sandringham, we'd love to have a, have a chat, come for tea, and why don't you stay for dinner because it's going to be a long drive and you're going to be exhausted. She even said, stay the night. Wonderful, yeah. I'd love that. Yeah. The moment we landed in the UK, I got a message from my private secretary, Fiona at the time, uh, private secretary is sort of like a CEO yeah. role okay. in the cutting, cutting and pasting a message from the Queen's private secretary basically saying, please pass on to the Duke and Duchess of Sussex that he cannot come to Norfolk. The Queen is busy. She's busy all week. After she just invited you? Yeah. She just invited me. The Queen's busy. She's busy all week. Do not come up here. No, when you're head of the firm, there is people around you that give you advice. Okay. And what has also made me really sad is some of that advice has been really bad. To many, this interview exposed the racist underbelly of the royal family in its treatment towards the couple, with Meghan telling Oprah that, that an unnamed member of the family questioned her over the skin colour of her baby. The hashtag Abolish the Monarchy was trending on Twitter for 24 hours following the interview, with many of those tweeting that Meghan had simply revealed the uncomfortable truths about the culture and history of the royal family, which they argued made it irrelevant or unsuitable for modern society. Prince William, Harry's brother, was asked the question of whether the royal family is in fact racist, to which he responded, we very much are not. As we know, however, from previous elections in particular, Twitter is often a poor gauge of public opinion. To many on the other side of the, of the discussion, most notably, of course, the recently departed host of Good Morning Britain, Piers Morgan, the interview confirmed the negative opinion they already had of Meghan as someone who was trying to break up the royal family for her own gain. That's an angle shared by much of the press and a point of view that Meghan stated contributed to her desire to leave the family. I want to know from all of you listening, not just what side you come down on, on this case of how the couple were treated, but I also want to hear your general thoughts on what this has shown about the royal family as an institution in 2021 Great Britain. What does this event and the reaction to it show about the royal family's relationship with the media and the public? Just a reminder of how you can get in touch. You can tweet us or DM us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Wiz Radio. Text us at no extra cost, only standard network rate supply on 07807183538. Email us station at wizardradio.co.uk. And all of our contact details are on our website, www.wizardradio.co.uk. And Boris Johnson announced yesterday that he was to take... Sorry announced yesterday that he was to take on the campaign by the charity Mary Curie 
to mark the 24th of March as a day of reflection, a year on from the first national lockdown for the coronavirus. The day was planned by the charity to mark the people lost to the virus, as well as acknowledging the families who were unable to mark the passing of a loved one in the normal ways. But zooming out a bit, I want to know what you've learned from this frozen year about yourself and the things you miss. We all hope that the easing of restrictions is now going to be irreversible, as Johnson has indicated. And though we are all desperate to return to normality, I'm interested to know how you how you will look back on this year. For a final time, before we go to our break, here's a reminder of how you can get in touch. On Instagram and Twitter, we're at Wiz Radio. Text us at no extra cost. Only standard network rate supply on 07807183538. Email us station at wizardradio.co.uk and all of our contact details are on our website, www.wizardradio.co.uk. So as I said, after the break, we're going to be discussing um, the role of the royal family in 2021 Great Britain and um, what Meghan and Harry's interview really showed about that and um, what it revealed to you. Um, were Meghan and Harry correct in the um, the assertion of how they've been treated and the assertion that the royal family has some quite entrenched issues or were they in fact just whining from a position of great privilege? I want to hear your thoughts and um, a reminder also that um, you can text in on both topics straight away. The second topic, of course, being what I just mentioned, your reflections on a year of lockdown. So that's a final reminder. Um, the song on now is Justin Bieber, Hold On. And after that, we'll be hearing as many of your thoughts as possible. Welcome back to Wizard Radio. That was Justin Bieber with Hold On. So um, without any further delay, um, we're going to get straight into the first topic of today's show, the question of if the UK's relationship with the royal family has worsened after Meghan and Harry's Oprah interview. And um, Jason's got in touch um, straight off the bat to say that I think the majority of people found the interview with Oprah truly shocking. And they found out a lot of things that we were hiding ourselves from knowing. The reality is that the underlying themes of what Meghan and Harry were saying about the royal family being racist and insensitive were not new. You just have to look at history to see that the royal family has a really troubling past, actually. But people shield themselves from that. And because the royal family usually doesn't say very much, it's easy for them to hide and cover. But we've been able to ignore that for a while. A lot of people are questioning their support for the royal family now after this interview. Well, thanks for that text there, Jason. And I think you're really expressing um, a sentiment shared by a lot of people. The idea that um, they didn't really pay attention to um, the royals that much before, but this has really kind of highlighted to them what the institution really is. And for some people, maybe that's increased their support in the royal family. But in my opinion, I feel that lots of people just weren't too concerned. Uh, there's obviously a hardcore group of people that love the monarchy and camp outside of the hospitals and there's a royal birth and without passing judgment on that, I think they are quite a small minority. And um, I, I think that lots of people have um, seen this um, this case as um, something that will kind of increase their focus on the royal family. And for lots of people, um, they, they still don't care too much about this. They see Harry and Meghan's situation, maybe, as um, two people who they can't relate with and um, therefore do not care too much about. However... I think it's worth. I think it, I think it's clear that a lot of people are interested in people and have kind of taken this on as a soap opera to um, 
come down very strongly on either side. And um, it's clear that a lot of people like you, Jason, have felt that this interview has highlighted the racism and the um, the real harsh truths that sur- surround the royal family. We all know um, the basic history of the royal family, that this country had royal rulers for centuries before we had an act of democracy. The Queen is still our head of state and approves every single law. So uh, the monarchy is really fundamental in the constitution, albeit an unwritten constitution, but the constitution of the United Kingdom. And some people find that intensely uncomfortable, the idea that there's an unelected ruler um, with that level of power. Even though it's it's tradition for them not to exercise it, they're still uncomfortable with that. But um, I feel like the more um, the more modern sense of outrage is less to do with um, the sense of political power that the Queen rarely ever, well, has never utilised. Uh, it's more to do with the sense of unease at, at the level of privilege that these people have. And um, that's what gets people quite um, uneasy, the level of wealth they have and how, how they use that. We all know that um, Britain's got a very, very uncomfortable past when it comes to empire and the royal family were, of course, a part of that. That is in the past, but uh, many people many people um, would say that the legacy of that remains uh, in, in the royal family and uh, the things they do. And that, uh, for many, this um, it could just merely be the focus on a story about the royal family that's kind of brought what they stand for to the attention. And, um, yeah, I think that for some people, that's turned them against the royal family. Um, I didn't really focus specifically on the accusations from Meghan and um, her treatment. I feel like we'll, we'll definitely get to that later in the show. But... Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for that text there, Jason. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm going to move on to another one here, though, from Talia, who says, Matthew, to comment on something you said at the start of the show, I think you can be privileged like Meghan and Harry and still face prejudice and real issues. At the end of the day, Meghan was forced to stay inside her house for months and months while the international media was tearing her to shreds. She couldn't go out and see her friends. She wasn't allowed to comment on it, and nobody would defend her. As Oprah said, she was silenced while her reputation was being damaged. I think that impacts her regardless of the fact that she's rich and very privileged and her safety was at risk. It made me think again about my support for the royal family. Well, Talia, that's a great point. Of course, you can be privileged and still face prejudice. Um, On a a much more general scale, you could look at the fact that um, with with everything in news this week, everyone that's male has some level of privilege above uh, people that are female in this country. And um, yeah, and that, that needs to change. But then within that, there's also males who have that however large level of privilege that face their own prejudice whether it be um because they've got a disability or because of their race or their religion etc this is this simple stuff that i'm sure everyone listening everyone listening really understands quite quite comprehensively um but yeah thinking um thinking talking more specifically about um the treatment megan faced um one thing that i found frankly hilarious like one of the best things i've watched in a very long time and indicative of the problem that um megan and harry have faced and a problem that i think is actually endemic within the uk media um was uh, i saw it through a video by the youtubers josh peters and archie manners they did a prank video on katie hopkins at the start of last year i'm sure lots of you have seen that um but they, they did another prank video where they set up a fake production company and um, this video was filmed three days before the airing of Meghan and Harry's interview. Um, they told people who they were hiring that, um, sorry, I'll, I'll start again. They were hiring people to give their opinions 
on the interview, even though the interview had not been shown yet. And um, they told people that they hadn't seen it. The people reacting to it had not seen it. And um, yet they all came out, gave um, damning uh, uh, verdicts, takes on how Megan behaved and um, without even having seen the interview. And um, these people were supposed royal experts. They weren't They weren't journalists, uh, royal correspondents, because they have, uh, in their in Archie Peters and Josh Manor's opinion, anyway, they have some level of um, integrity. It's their job. These are the people who were royal experts and write in the magazines and the correspondents who hear from someone who hears from someone and spreads the narrative that surrounds uh, the royal family. And um, the, the YouTubers even asked some ridiculous questions about um, Meghan's love of a, a donkey sanctuary that of course doesn't exist and all of them all of them didn't bat an eyelid and just assumed it was the case and um during the actual interview the the two youtubers tweeted out that um still no mention of the donkey sanctuary still no mention of the donkey sanctuary that um of course the 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 so-called experts had mentioned multiple times during their um their interview and the fact that these people were so willing to condemn megan and um slam her and say how bad she'd done in the interview and how insincere it was having not even seen the interview did kind of um, portray to me the fact kind of um, brought up the sense that lots of what's coming out of the media isn't based on fact. It's based on preconceived prejudices. And um, of course it's not everyone in the media. It's not all the media, but I think it is quite worrying to see that it was almost seen as normal for them to give a report on an interview that they hadn't seen. And um, if these are the people that are shaping opinion, I think that is, um, actually fairly dangerous so yeah thanks for that text there talia and um maybe i've gone off on a bit of a tangent there but i feel like i um i've hopefully brought up some important issues that i feel surround the treatment of megan and harry uh, by the media so yeah thanks for getting in touch there talia um actually quickly before i move on i do want to clarify that i think um there are two different issues at play here when it comes to um the treatment of the couple by the media which i think is far more clear-cut and um yeah black and white as it hasn't been very good and um a contrast between that and their treatment by the royal family which of course we're not inside that family it's um much more based on speculation so i do think there is a a distinction to be made there and i think i should just say that now before we move on to any more messages but yeah thanks for um getting in touch talia i've got another message here though from um opayemi who says I disagree with you, Matthew. I think a lot of people are very interested in this story, and this has made them rethink their opinion of the royal family. You don't need to be a super fan and camp outside of a hospital to feel affected by what has gone on. Um, this is a story of a black woman being silenced and being discriminated against by a real, really powerful family. Me and so many of my friends have felt triggered and genuinely sympathised with Meghan Markle because we know what she has gone through. Her experience with the royal family is similar to many of our experiences in the UK in general, where people don't believe us when we say we have problems. They think we are over-exaggerating and they think and they don't want to hear what we have to say. This is this is really real. And Meghan Markle has exposed that, has exposed how deep that runs in this country. Well, well thanks for your text there. Um, but I think you, you maybe misunderstood me earlier when I said that um, I said that this event um, I didn't say that everyone, that only a small number of people care about this event. I said that this event in particular has had such a great outreach that it's made more people care about the royal family. I, I didn't mean that um, less people are involved in this issue. I, on, the, on the contrary, I think that this um, 
event has actually made more people um, care about and get involved with what's going on in the royal family. So um, I think maybe perhaps you misunderstood me there, um, OPME. But um, as to the main points that go that go through your uh, your text, I think that uh, they're very very strong, and I. I th- want to say thanks for getting in touch because we've seen uh, your sort of opinions um, everywhere this week on on Twitter, on other news sites. And um, I can't remember who it was. I'll I'll look up exactly um, who she was after the break. But um, some uh, during one of the debates, um, if you can call it that, on Good Morning Britain with Piers Morgan, um, he was told by by this woman, I'll I'll look up her name during the break. he was told by her that he, Piers Morgan, does not get to decide um, what is racist in this country as a as a white person. I think that um, that's a, that's a point that I saw retweeted by lots and lots of people, and um, I saw lots of people um, from ethnic minorities uh, just repeating that point that it's not up to a white person to decide what is and isn't racist. And the fact that so many people have felt um, have, have like you, Opiemi, have kind of sympathised with and. Um, felt her experience does suggest that just just both that there was a problem with how Megan was treated but also perhaps more significantly that um, her treatment was simply um, endemic of a, a wider a wider issue that um, runs through this society and I, I think that um, for many people uh, th- this 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 event with her and Harry has kind of just exposed issues that already ran deep and the fact that so many people are coming out with these these opinions kind of shows how how prevalent these issues are so yeah um thanks for getting in touch opiemi and um sharing your opinions and um your your experience of um racism within the uk so yeah i I really appreciate your text um i've got one more text here from lisa who's going to be the last message before our next break and lisa says uh, you said earlier matthew about the hashtags that have trended on twitter such as abolish the monarchy and I agree with you when you said that Twitter is not representative of society. It's difficult to know what most people think. What sorry, what most people think about this because Twitter is siding with Meghan. But then I saw an opinion poll this week that said public opinion of Meghan and Harry has never been lower after this past week. I think it is just clear that people are torn. Personally, I'm on the side of Harry and Meghan. I have no reason to believe that they are lying. They don't stand to benefit from lying. But other people obviously don't see it the way I do. Well, thanks that raising, for raising that point there, um, Lisa. And I think that it's a really important one to remember that, yes, Twitter says says things one way, but if it was up to Twitter, then the Conservatives would um, never win an election. And we know they've been in power for a very long time. So Twitter's not usually a good um, indication or whatever you want to call it of the national mood and the national thought. So I think that, that that's a great point. But also, I think that um, we need to be very careful not to try and get into our own echo chambers. I know that every, nearly every text so far on this show has supported Meghan and Harry. And I'm sure all of you listening have worked out already that, well, I've pretty much said as much that I do too. But there are lots of people who legitimately do not support those two. And um, I think there's a danger that we, we can get kind of caught up in our own echo chambers, um, whether it's on Twitter, where the algorithm gives you things it knows you'll like, and that can entrench your opinions, or or whether it's just with the people you're friends with in real life. I think that um, on some issues, it's actually good to um, 
hear what the other what the other side's saying, even if it is just to um, try and understand where they're coming from, so you can attempt to um, convince them why you think they're wrong. But I think that it is often dangerous when two sides are so entrenched that they get further and further apart, and that can lead to um, obviously half the people defending Meghan and Harry and saying their treatment's been appalling, but another half doubling down and not willing to um, to, to to try and um, to change their opinions because. Um, if people feel attacked by um, another group of people and um, by their views, then they're less likely to to change their opinions. And I think that that's important. And perhaps I'm I'm broadening out the debate a bit more now, but I think that's something that um, that should be remembered. That um, it can often entrench beliefs and entrench um, already uh, already held uh, held thoughts when when two sides are not willing to to discuss something together and to um, talk about it so yeah i think that's something that is is quite important to remember when it comes to um anything not just the treatment of Meghan and harry in this case but when it comes to any sort of political debate that um when both sides become entrenched uh, sorry when both sides are, are fairly far apart in their in their views they can become entrenched and um change is less likely so so that's a good place to take a break during the break i'll look up who it was that um told Piers Morgan that he couldn't um, he couldn't decide what was and wasn't racist and um, yeah we'll get a song on now it's Maisie Peters John Hughes movies welcome back to Wizard Radio I'm Matthew Wolf just a reminder of the two topics we're going to be discussing on today's show the first topic which we've um, been having a debate on for about uh, half an hour already is the question of if the UK's relationship with the royal family has worsened after Meghan and Harry's interview with Oprah Winfrey. Later in the show, I'll be discussing your thoughts on um, what your reflections are from a year of lockdown. Um, but back to the first topic, which we've already had some some great texts in uh, over the course of the first half an hour. And we've got another good one here from Rowan, who says, I was talking to some friends about it this week, as I think everyone did. And for a lot of us, this has really turned us against the royal family. I'm one of the people who is feeling like we need to abolish the monarchy. But my other issue is that although I'm not pro-royal family, I also don't like the alternative, which is probably an American-style republic, which I don't think would be right for the UK either. I like our system of monarchy when the monarchy has no power at all and it's just a formality. But now we're hearing that they haven't been so passive, even with the news a couple of weeks ago, about the Queen blocking certain laws from passing to benefit herself. It leaves me in a difficult situation. Well, Rowan, I actually, I'm going to start right at the bottom of your message there. And um, I think I brought this up on the show a few weeks ago, or if I, not, if I didn't, maybe I brought it up to one of my friends. But it was a really interesting story about the Queen um, uh, blocking a law that um, would prevent her from moving her money to avoid taxes or something like that. And... Um, there was an article on it by The Guardian, and I urge people to check it out. And it was um, quite worrying to a lot of people that the Queen would use her power in this way. Obviously, it wasn't as um, overt as that. It was probably quite... Um, she didn't do it in such an obvious way, but to a lot of people, it was quite... Um, it was an outrage. And I actually said earlier in the show that the Queen, very, if ever, very rarely, or if ever, um, blocks laws. I, I failed to mention, or I failed to mention that, and I feel like I should have. So... Yeah, that's a great point there, Rowan. So thanks for bringing it up. Um, but as for the idea of an American-style republic, um, without the monarchy, what would actually change when it comes to how the UK 
is governed. Obviously, um, traditions would change massively. The national anthem would have to change. Um, lots of the media would have to get new jobs. But I think, feel like the actual governance of this country wouldn't be too different uh, when you consider the fact that um, the Queen does not have much legal power now. Uh, well, technically she has the legal power, but the political power evades her. She does not have the... Um, she cannot just simply um, impose her will on um, the public in a way that monarchs in other centuries did. So, um, in my opinion, actually, I don't think it would be um, the actual system of governance would be too different. But um, you talk about how you like the system where um, the monarchy is kind of passive. And um, many people do think that the monarchy does a good job. How in other countries, other republics, um, they have the prime minister who acts as our prime minister and they have a president who is that role of the spokesperson, the, the, um, the figurehead of the state. And um, perhaps in our country, we have the royal family as that. Of course, they're more because of the history of the royal family. But um, when it comes to what they actually do, it really is that, the idea of a kind of figurehead. And um, whether that could be replaced by a president who is elected or um, is appointed or whatever um, could be a consideration. But other people would simply say that the royal family are too, too, um, much, of a, too much of an institution and people associate them so strongly with the United Kingdom that um, when it comes to tourism and everything else that comes with um, the royal family, that they're, they're worth keeping, even if it is just for that. Of course, there are other people who are huge fans of the monarchy and be much more proactive in their support of, of, of keeping them around. But um, for someone who maybe isn't too bothered, I feel like that would be the most common defence of the royal family, that they bring a lot of tourism and they technically, uh, in some people's opinion, would uh, are just a a strong and recognisable head of state. So that's the argument um, in favour of keeping them. So, yeah, um, thanks for the text there, Rowan. Um, I think we covered a lot in in the discussion there. So, yeah, um, thanks for that. I've got another text here from, who's it from? It's from Josh, who says, let's be honest, Matthew, what do people expect? The royal family are a very old family with a lot of very old people. Of course, there'll be some racism. If your, if your own grandparents hold some racist opinions, Obviously, the royal family will also. The royal family are a family at the end of the day, and families are dysfunctional. I'm not making excuses for them being racist and all of these problems, but this shouldn't be headline news. I resent Meghan Markle for trying to tear our royal family apart when they're just trying to protect themselves and hold their family together. Well, Josh, that's a really interesting text. It's different to anything we've had so far, so thanks for that. But... Um, the idea that Meghan's trying to tear the family apart, I would disagree with you on. That's the argument that was put forward by Piers Morgan and by most people that are disagreeing with Meghan. And I'd say that um, rather than trying to tear the family apart, she was simply expressing her experience of being treated very poorly in, in, in the royal family. Some would say that she was perhaps slightly disingenuous when she said she didn't know what she was getting herself into. But I think that regardless, she, she married Harry because um, they were in love and or whatever, they were in love or whatever it was there. And um, she didn't necessarily expect the media attention and everything else that came with it. And yes, the royal family are a normal family or a not. Well, no, 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 I'll say that again. The royal family are not a normal family. But yes, they are a family. And um, some people of the older generation may have those views. But I, I, I can say that 
I, I feel like I can say it fairly confidently that most older people would still not have those views. Yes, it, um, those, those racist views are more common amongst older communities, um, people, uh, older people, but I feel that most people still do not hold those views. And it's perhaps a bit offensive to older people to suggest that all of them hold offensive and racist views and they can just be excused because of their age. I think that if someone holds those views, and especially if someone um, in the position of influence that the royal family has, um, we, yeah, we've discussed for the last however long, especially in the last text, that the royal family has a lot of influence. So if someone in that position of influence holds those views, it shouldn't just be dismissed as something that, oh, it's that they're an older person. The royal family represents the Commonwealth, the, the, the Commonwealth, which, um, of course, um, includes many of the countries who were formerly part of the um, British Empire. So I think it's perhaps, um, it's, it's, I, I was going to say it's not a good look, but it's worse than that for the royal family to be to be racist. Um, their job is to represent the Commonwealth, and um, uh, there are many, many um, countries that are majority um, majority black and Asian within the Commonwealth. Of course, um, most of the countries are, in fact, um, due to the fact that uh, the history of the Commonwealth as the previous British Empire. So. Uh, for, for the royal family to be holding those views isn't just um, something that can be dismissed, in my opinion. If it's proven to be correct, which, of course, there's there's no evidence other than um, what Meghan said. I personally believe her, but I, other people are entitled not to believe her. There is no distinct evidence. But, um, yeah, if those views are, are held, it can't simply be dismissed, in my opinion, as, oh, they're from the older generation due to the influence and the power that the royal family do maintain. So yeah, um, thanks for that text, but I'm gonna move on to another text. This is gonna be the last one on the topic and it's from Nathan, <coughs> sorry, who says, this sounds like a really big issue. What Meghan Markle has described and British people have a right to be outraged because of the royal family's position to represent the people of the UK. <coughs> <coughs> oh, sorry, um, they should be held to a higher standard because we pay them millions of pounds every year to represent us. But two hours of television on a Monday night that ITV paid over £1 million to broadcast, that's just over the top to me. The royal family are important, but they're just not that important to me. It seems like a huge over-exaggeration, and Meghan and Harry should deal with their issues in private. Well, Nathan, I think I'm going to conclude this topic by saying that I pretty much, not fully, but pretty much agree with you. I think that the royal family in general have too much airtime too much coverage and um, too much money thrown at them. I don't necessarily think they should be completely abolished, but I do think that their funding should be greatly reduced and their importance um, diminished because I think that there are far more important issues at play. I feel, however, this is where I disagree with you, that Meghan and Harry's um, treatment was a bigger issue than the normal run-of-the-mill royal stories because of um, how badly they claim to be treated. So I think that that was perhaps a, a difference in the story. But um, more generally, I think that I didn't focus on it for this show because uh, partly because I wrote the show, um, I wrote the I wrote the show, um, well, the introductions to the show um, before this story really took took massive hold. And also because I feel that there's less of a debate to be had. But Lakika covered it really well on the previous show. So, of course, listen back to her show. But I feel that um, issues such as the the violence against women and the treatment of women are much more um, important issues rather than the treatment of um, one particular couple uh, within the royal family. 
And those are issues that I actually think that Meghan and Harry would agree with because they've campaigned um, for those issues in the past. But that kind of ties it full circle. Um, I would say to listen back to Lakika's show because she discussed it uh, very well. But um, that's all we have time for for that topic. We're going, we're going to get our final song of the hour on now. And after that, we'll be discussing your reflections on a year of lockdown. And the, the song on now is Nessa Barrett, uh, Le D Die, featuring JXDN. Welcome back to Wizard Radio. That was Nessa Barrett, Lardy Die featuring Jaden. So on to our second topic of the show. The question that I asked you at the start of the show, are what are your reflections from a year of lockdown? We've got a really interesting text here from Harry, who um, has come from an angle that I didn't actually expect. He says, coming out of lockdowns from the past year, I'm scared that our rights have been stripped and we may never get them fully back. If you look at the Sarah Everard vigil in Clapham last night, the police tried to shut it down because it broke COVID rules. This happens on the same week that Chris Whitty says outdoor events such as protests, funerals and vigils shouldn't be restricted because COVID doesn't spread significantly in those situations. So the government and the police tried to restrict a gathering that the High Court refused to shut down on the basis of no evidence. I'm genuinely worried that our lives may never go back to normal now that the government has these powers and we're so used to being told what we can and can't do. Well, Harry, that's a really interesting text. And there's an article in the Financial Times um, that that my dad actually showed me a few weeks ago um, that um, actually suggested the same thing, that um, with restrictions being normalised, some governments may be less keen than others to to let go of those restrictions and i don't think it means that businesses will be shut forever and that um you won't be able to see your friends forever because um ultimately those things eventually lead to um business and uh greater more money for the economy and the government obviously wants that Um, when i say the government i'm talking about governments in general um but i think what it may lead to in in certain countries and situations is a crackdown on protests and things that um, do um, go against what the government wants. And I think that that's a really, really, really dangerous thing. We've got the the police and crimes bill that's going through Parliament um, this week that gives police more powers to shut down um, protests. And I think that that's a that's a very scary thing. The one of the biggest things that we hold dear in this um, in a liberal democracy is the the right to protest. And um, we're seeing in Myanmar and in other countries around the world, that when that's taken away, um, it really does create a, a scary and a, a damaging situation um, when people are put in that situation. So I don't think that's, um, I really think that's something that we should be should be fearful of. But I think that we can, um, hopefully we can be optimistic enough that our democracy withstands that. And I think that one thing that's been clear from the start from many medical professionals is that lockdown was absolutely necessary, but it should be removed as soon as it wasn't necessary. Chris Whitty was um, adamant that um, whilst loads and loads of people have been um, fuming at him, saying that there's a possibility of another lockdown in late summer. And I myself was very, very, very disappointed to hear that. Um, Hopefully it won't be the case. But anyway, I'm getting off topic now. Um, We discussed on a previous show that he said the UK may come to have to accept um, 
five to 10,000 deaths from COVID-19 every single year, like we do with the flu, and that lockdown should be an absolute last case scenario because of the devastating impact it has on businesses, on livelihoods, on social interactions, on people's mental health, but also, but also on people's more general sense of freedom. And when that's removed, um, we're in a we're in a dark situation. And I think that um, it's a really interesting thing that you've um, interesting point that you've raised there, Harry. And um, hopefully, we uh, hopefully that um, the worst case scenario does not become become the case. So yeah, um, thanks for getting in touch there, Harry. I've got another text here from Johnny who says, "When the pandemic first hit, I didn't think this would be a big deal." A few weeks and then we're back to normal. By last summer, though, and basically every day since, I've been convinced that we're living in a new era and it's an, and it's now the era of pandemics. Smart people like Bill Gates have predicted for a long time that we're going to have more major health pandemics in the future and that COVID-19 is just the first in our lifetime of a health concern which literally shuts down the world. I think we'll see this again sooner than we realise because we've been abusing medication for years, treating things that shouldn't be treated, and the new viruses won't be stopped by our immune system. Well, Johnny, um, firstly, I think that you're, you, um, you have raised quite a good point um, when you talk about um, what Bill Gates said and others have said about the, um, the increasing likelihood of another pandemic em- emerging. And um, just to explain why that is, it's that hu- the human population globally is expanding massively. Um, at a quicker rate than it's than it's ever done um and as that happens people need more space to live uh, more resources and therefore they're exploiting the earth's resources and its areas um for human gain the humans have always done this but they're doing it um we're doing it quicker as there are more people on the earth It, it sounds basic but um it's the truth and as more people as we need um more places to go, more places to live, more more resources. We're exploring places that were previously wilderness, places that humans previously didn't go and didn't live, um, places further in in jungles, in uh, other wild areas. And in doing so, we're encountering um, animals that carry um, animals that we've always known about, but um, coming into closer contact with animals that are carrying pathogens that humans haven't been exposed to. And um, this is obviously comes with a greater likelihood of a virus that humans haven't encountered um a par- uh, i'll say that again comes with a greater li- the greater likelihood of encountering a pathogen that humans haven't encountered before um creating therefore a pandemic that we're experiencing now um people think that um this pandemic started either from traffic pangolins or from bats and either way it came from an animal and it was a virus that existed on an animal for a long amount of time, but something that humans hadn't seen before. And um, it does perhaps seem likely, unless human, unless we change our our approach to the natural world, that this could happen again. Lots of people are warning on it, of it. But um, as to think that... Um, oh, sorry, I've just lost your message here. Yeah, um, Johnny, as, as for thinking that... Um, uh, that we've been abusing medication and treating too many things. I, I think that's a bit of a nonsense, in my opinion. I think that um, we've been treating things that we can treat to try and prolong human life. And I think that's always a priority. And um, I think it's just the way we um, interact with the natural world needs to change in the future. And hopefully uh, we can avoid um, another pandemic like this. So, yeah, 
Um, thanks for getting in touch there, Johnny. Um, you raised some dire issues, but some important ones as well. So, yeah, um, going to move on now to Tess, who's going to be the last message of today's show. And you say, I think someone has said this before in your show. I've definitely heard it before. But my biggest reflection is that I'm surprised how easily controlled people are. Multiple times, the government has taken us in and out of lockdown, introduced rules with no real explanation, and people have followed those rules better than I thought they would. Obviously, this is better to stop the spread of the virus, but at the same time, it just shows that humans can be manipulated really easily. Whenever I used to watch those end-of-the-world movies where everyone was like sheep, I thought that would be possible. I, I never thought that would be possible because because people are too independently minded. It turned out I was wrong. Well, Tess, I think, to be honest, that there are many, many examples in history. You can look at um, the events in Germany in the Second World War. You can look at other examples that suggest that group mentality and groupthink can be a very, very dangerous thing and that people are easily influenced by others and can easily um, act as a mob. But I do think that you mentioned it in one line there, that um, it was a good thing in this pandemic. And I'm actually going to be optimistic and say that people's observation of the rules during this year haven't been because people are just simply sheep who follow everything, but it's been because people are caring and know that had they not followed the rules, more people would die. And obviously lots of people haven't kept the rules um, in other parts of the world as, as well. Um, compliance is far lower than it is in the UK. And some people would say that's a good thing because it shows people are more independently minded. Others would say it's a bad thing because it shows the country's more selfish. So those are the two two kind of point of views you can come down on. But I do think that in this case, it was a good thing, obviously, that people followed the regulations because it saved lives. Uh, lots and lots of people died in this country, but even more could have died had um, compliance to the rules been less. And I think that hopefully this will be a specific situation in which um, the government needed to impose these severe restrictions on our freedoms. And hopefully there'll never be a situation where the government need to do this again. And hopefully um, there'll never be a situation in which, um, yeah, I, I don't know why I started that sentence again. Hopefully there'll never be a situation in which the government uh, feels like they have to do this again. So yeah, um, thanks for that message there, Tess. Uh, thank you to everyone for getting in touch over the course of the hour. If you've missed any of the show, it'll be available for the next seven days on our website, www.wizardradio.co.uk forward slash repeat. Um, but if you want to listen to this show and um, many other episodes, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, etc. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Your Views on the News with Matthew Wolf. Um, up next is the news and the up, sorry. Up next is Madeline Molly. But first, it's time for the news and the weather.
into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.